You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. So go ahead and open up your Bibles to Ephesians 6. If you don't have your Bible today, don't worry about it. Um, I'm going to keep everything really tight today. And um, we're just going to continue looking at this talk we've been going through in Ephesians chapter 6 as we talk about um, something that the Bible says is, is called... Uh, maybe some of your chapters at the, the, the top of Ephesians 6, it says spiritual armor, the full armor of God. Maybe in Sunday school somewhere down the road you saw a little flannel board illustration of the full armor of God. Maybe if you grew up in a Christian home, you dressed up like this for like a Halloween. You know, I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure I did at some point in my childhood. Uh, and so today we're going to talk about the shield of faith. And uh, this is great. We're going to talk all around faith. Talk about what it is, why we need it, why it pleases God, how it's important as a weapon that God's designed, how everybody has it. You might come in and say, I don't got any faith. Listen, I have no zero. My faith scale is low. Don't worry about it, okay? Because I want to tell you today that your faith is not really as dependent on you as you think, all right? It's just a couple of key agreements that we make with God, believing who He is, and actually, actually, Faith just simply means trust. It just means to trust, to trust. I've told this story before, but um, years ago, I went skydiving. And um, I was given the gift. Uh, somebody in the church I was at in Los Angeles gave, uh, gave us some vouchers to go skydiving. So me and three of my friends, we traveled about five hours north in California to this place called Lodi, California. And we went skydiving. Very first time I've ever been skydiving. Um, and I want to tell you something that uh, between Harvey and the day before I went skydiving are the two nights in my life where I got the least amount of sleep ever. <laughs> because I don't know if you've ever been skydiving or you've been close to skydiving and you're set up and you're ready to go. The night before, you are thinking not about what a wonderful journey this is going to be to jump out of a plane and I'm going to feel like a bird. You think, all you think about is, what if that parachute doesn't open up? And on top of that, amazingly, what seems to cross your path the week leading up until your skydiving trip is how many times a parachute has failed. And so because I was going with three guys, none of us wanted to bail out on it, right? We were all macho. But we were all shaking in our shoes when we got there. And so they sat us down in this trailer and they played this like VHS tape. They put it in. This was like paneling trailer. They sat us there and this old guy gets on the TV and he says, you know what? We can't guarantee you anything, but most of the time this works. <laughs> and you're like, you're like, I'm, I'm out. You know, like we're looking at each other like who's going to cross the chicken line first? And so because it was our first time, we had to go tandem jump, which means there was an instructor strapped to your back. And so I remember getting all suited up, and, and the hour or so we had to wait before it was our turn to go, and we're watching people come jump out of the plane, and we're like, are they going to make it? Are they going to make it? And they're coming down really fast. Open up, open up, open up. And our intensity just continued to grow and grow and grow until finally it was our turn, and they... They strapped us in, and they got us into our suits, and they put the goggles on us, and they, they had uh, us all geared up, and then they strapped us into our instructor. 
And I'll never forget the feeling of being strapped into the instructor because it was like we were the same person. We were so tight. We were so close. They wrapped us around. They tightened us down. He had two parachutes on his back. We were completely locked in. And then we got into the plane. And that was really uncomfortable because we're sitting, and I'm sitting in this guy's lap, okay? It is what it is, guys, all right? But I just want to be real honest with you. I didn't care <laughs> because I was clinging on to him as much as he was clinging on to me. I knew this was the guy with the parachutes. And so it was our turn to go, and they opened up the big cargo door on the side of the plane. And, and he's like, okay, you ready? He just like tapped me on my thigh and said, you ready? And I'm like, do I got a choice? I mean, can we ride this bag down, you know, have a cup of coffee, talk about our lives? You know, uh-uh. And so he's like, okay, we're going to scoot out to the edge. But what he didn't tell me was this, is that there's only room for one bottom on the edge, and it wasn't mine. <laughs> I'm hanging out the door, and he is on the edge. And I'm like, bro, he's like, and he just kept just gently tapping me. You okay? You okay? Calm down. Calm down. And I'm, my, my intensity is like, ah, oh. he goes, are you ready? And he just finally, one pat on the head, you ready? And I'm like, yeah. He says, here we go. And we got out there and we flattened out. And I can just remember all of a sudden, all that fear just washed away. I had no security, no promise I was going to touch that ground safely. But all of a sudden, as we were just going down, free falling, as we were coming down, I just felt peace. And I just floated, floated, floated. And then finally he looked at me and he said, you ready to pull? I said, yeah, let's pull. And so he pulled it and then... And as he pulled that parachute, and as it opened up, and as everything stopped and settled down, that was the most enjoyable ride all the way down to the bottom. And here's the reality with that, is that in a lot of ways, this is the way that faith works. Is that there are absolute times that God calls us into the unknown. And we're going to talk about that today. Hebrews 11 talks about a laundry list of people that were literally called into the unknown, the unseen Things they didn't see in their natural eyes. And God invited them into this journey that in so many ways could have been just so scary and so impossible. But yet they chose to trust the one that they were strapped to who controlled everything. And they enjoyed the journey. And when we talk about the shield of faith today, as it pertains to what Paul talks about in Ephesians 6 as armor. There is something that I want your hearts to be filled with today. I want it to be filled with joy. Because God has got up the shield of faith for you. If you will stand behind it and you will trust its strength and trust its power to, to calm and stop every lie of the enemy. Now how many of us, we talked about this last week, got bamboozled by fake news on Facebook last, or the last few weeks. We read something, we heard something, it punched us with a bit of panic. We got startled, and all of a sudden we're shaking like, what do we do, what do we do? And we're walking around with chickens, like chickens with their heads cut off. And here's the reality, is that it doesn't just pertain to times of a storm or chaos. It happens in our everyday life. The enemy tries to sideline us. And the Bible actually uses a term for this. I want to read it to you now. In Ephesians 6, 16, it says this. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith 
with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. See, God has, in His goodness, in His great love, has equipped us with faith in order to withstand the attack of the enemy. Now, let me tell you something, just a short something about this, because I don't want to focus too much on this, is that when the Scripture talks about the flaming arrows of the enemy, here's what it's talking about, is that when we choose to move out from the position of the faith that God is allowing us to be protected by, when we choose to trust something other than His Word, the truth of who He is, the truth of Him being a good Father, then we're standing alone, unguarded. And the enemy knows exactly where to hit us, to get us into a place of chaos. And that whole idea about a flaming arrow is as specific as if an archer came up, a master archer came up, pulled back his bow, knew exactly the weakest spot on his enemy, and fired right into it. And so when we look at this, here's what we have to understand, that God not only has given us faith because He is good, because it's an opportunity to trust Him, but also to protect us, to protect us. Because once the the enemy settles into an area of our life and begins to get us twisted up in our thinking or our understanding or begins to compromise our perception of God, God being good, then he has a place to work in our life and we get sidelined from the things that God has called us to do. So let's look at, look at this for just a second. So when we talk about faith, faith is simple. Faith does not require our power and our ability to do something. Rather, it is something that we settle into, that we rest into, and it requires us only to trust God's ability, to trust God's ability. When we keep our eyes focused on Him, when we keep our eyes focused on the Word, on His presence, on His peace, then we begin to trust that. Then we begin to see that strength working for us. So why is faith important? Why is our faith important? Because the Bible says a couple of key things about faith. The first thing that Bible te- the Bible tells us about faith is this. Faith is what moves God. Faith is what moves God. Why does faith move God? Why does faith move God? Because faith requires us to believe something about God that is absolute. Faith requires us to believe something about God that is absolute. That His words are absolutely true. They're not like our words. All of us have promised something that we probably have fallen short on. God has not. God has never promised something and fallen short on it. Everything that He has said, He has done or He will do. When He speaks, He is true. As a matter of fact, He swears upon Himself as the cornerstone of truth. He is the definition of truth. That's why Hebrews 11.6 says this, And without faith it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. There's something important in that passage that we just read I want you to see. It says this, that we must believe that He exists. Here's the idea here. 
It's not merely that there is a God in heaven and I believe there's an entity or a being up there, an all-knowing, all-powerful being. It is the truth of who He is. It speaks to a deeper understanding of who God is. Here's what I'm talking about. When the Bible says that we must believe that He exists, we have to believe that He is Creator. That He is Creator. That when He speaks, He unlocks the possible out of impossible. As Creator God, He can speak into the nothing, into the nothing of the void of the earth and speak things into being, and they were created. Light, see the mountains, the, the creatures of the, that we see on the earth. All these things He spoke from nothing, but also concerning our faith in our personal life, He can speak into the voids of our life where there is nothing, or there is brokenness, or there is emptiness, and He can speak life and create something from where there was once nothing. He is the God as Creator who unlocks possible out of the impossible. This is who He is. And when God invites us into this journey where he says, listen, if you will trust me as the God who exists, what he is saying is this, do you believe that I'm creator God? Do you believe that I'm able to do these things in you? Do you believe that I'm able to redirect the course of your life when you begin to trust me? That I can 180 your life. I don't care what type of hole or pit you found yourself in. I don't care what mistakes you've made in the past. I don't care where you think that you've been trapped or addicted or bound to, but if you will trust me that I'm able to create something new inside of you. And what we're going to see in just a second is that the people that God invited into this journey, that he literally took them from the place of impossibility and brought them into a reality in their life of what he promised them. Things that are entirely supernatural and impossible. When God says, do you believe that he exists, he asks us to trust him as the one who is faithful. Faithful. That he longs to perform what he says he will do in our life because he is the good father. He is the good father. Here is the thing, is that God is the rewarder. God is the rewarder. And he rewards us as we choose to step into the place of faith and anchor ourselves into the place of faith. He rewards us because he is the good father and he is faithful. As the one who exists, he is the one who is faithful. It's not measured in the terms of our understanding of faithfulness. It is measured in who he is and the nature of who he is. It's unchangeable. It's perfect. He asks us to trust Him as the beginning and the end, meaning that He holds eternity between His hands. Right now, we're facing a, a climb out of a hole in our community that's going to take weeks and months, maybe a year. And as a nation, we see the same thing that's affecting our nation. And we see the problems that are affecting our, our country, but also, for some of us, we see the things in our life that we are coming out of that we are coming free and becoming free from. And here is what God asks us to do and how we apply our faith and what faith does to protect us. is by saying, God, when I stand behind the shield of the truth of who you are, I am agreeing with the fact 
that you hold all things between your hands. Maybe my time frame looks like this, but God, I'm going to trust your time frame because your time frame's perfect. See, God, maybe I want it done in a couple of days. Maybe, maybe I want this to happen sooner. But God, I'm going to trust you because when I trust you as the one who holds eternity between your hands, I know that when you do it, it's going to be perfect. It's going to be right. There will be nothing incomplete and nothing lacking. One of my favorite passages is Philippians 1.6. It says this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out into the completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God is not short in fulfilling his promises. He is perfect in his timing. He is perfect in his plan. He is perfect in his ways. And we have to trust him. And this is faith. This is faith. Some of you have been in a, in, in a position where you've been trusting God for a long time. Anchor yourself into your faith, the truth of what God has promised. Because he will complete it. He is faithful. He is good. He is perfect. He will do it. I want to show you a couple of people that trusted God and how faith is sufficient armor to us. How faith is sufficient armor to us. In Hebrews 11, there's a, there's a list of people that, that the Scripture commends as people who stepped out in faith. And I want to pull out just a few of them. The first one I want to look at is this, is Abel. Now, Abel is the first son, the second son. Cain and Abel, we know, were Adam and Eve's children. And they both gave a sacrifice. And Abel gave a sacrifice that was pleasing to God's heart when Cain gave something that was not pleasing to God's heart. And as a result, the first murder on earth occurred where Cain killed Abel. He was jealous and he killed Abel. But in Hebrews 11, the scripture tells us that Abel's faith pleased God. And here's how it pleased God. And this is how our faith begins to please God and become sufficient armor is when we begin to partner out of the best of our life when we trust God. See, here, here's how faith works in our life, is that we can't give God the leftovers of our trust. We can't give God just like, hey, this is my Hail Mary, and if this doesn't work, God, then it's yours, right? We've controlled everything, we've done everything, we've worked, we've, we, we, we've, we've dug in, we've done all these things, but when that falls short, then God will just give you the leftovers. See, what Abel teaches us is this is that Abel chose, and the sacrificial system, for any of you guys who under, who, who, who've ever read this, here's what you need to understand, is that God didn't set up a sacrificial system with Abel and Cain. They were just given the option to please God with a sacrifice. And Abel gave the very best of his livestock, and he sacrificed it to God. And Cain, Cain came by, and he gave the leftovers of his crop. And here's the problem is this, is that what commended Abel's heart to God was this, is Abel gave the best of his life. And this is what it teaches us about faith, is that when we choose to give the best of our heart, the best of our trust, to trust God first when we go through things, when we're getting hit, maybe when we're in a hardship or a pit, or when we're walking and things are fine and we choose to trust God with our very best and say, God, you are my first resource, not my last. It becomes armor to us. 
And this requires us to walk in the place of trust with God every day. To not get out of the place of of our life where we begin to just give God things that are reserved for Sundays or Wednesdays. But we walk with God every day by giving Him the best part of our life, the best part of our worship, the best part of our heart. For some of us, that means that we've got to set aside time every day to lift up our concerns and lift up our cares and to offer those up to, the God, up to God and say, God, in the midst of these things, I choose to trust you first. I choose to trust you first. This was taught to me in a, in a kind of weird way <clears throat> with my parents. And I've shared this before too. But whenever... We got hurt in my house. My mom would always look at me. And, and of course, I don't want this to sound weird because we went to doctors and we did all that. I went to doctors a lot. Okay, trust me. But my mom would always ask me, son, did you pray? Did you pray? Did you pray? Did you ask God to touch what was wrong with you? Did you pray? And that made a mark in my life. Because it taught me this this principle here concerning faith. Is that faith requires the best of us. Not the rest of us. And so when it comes to this, listen, and, and, and again, oftentimes I would end up at the doctor's office. But we would pray first. We would pray. We would pray. Why? All we were doing was this, is that we were inviting the resource of heaven, of God, into the situation. Inviting him to come in as healer. Inviting him to come in as truth. Inviting him to come in as a good father. And when we pass that up as our first resource, then we get ourselves into a place where we're trying to get out of a situation without God's help. And this is why I believe that Abel was commended because of his faith. Because he didn't have to, but he chose to give God the best part of his heart. He chose to give God the best part of his heart. The second thing we see here, and when we go down in Hebrews 11, we see a guy named Enoch. Now, Enoch was unique because Enoch was the first person to just get translated from this earth into heaven. The scripture tells us in Genesis that Enoch lived 365 years, and then he was not. Meaning this, like, he just, like, went to heaven, right? Don't you want to be that guy? Don't you want to be Enoch? You know, like, you're just walking one day, you're talking with the Lord, and all of a sudden you're like, you know, not bad, not bad at all. But here in Hebrews 11, Enoch is talked about, and he's, he's talked about as somebody who pleased God by his faith. And here's why Hebrews 11 tells us this, is because Enoch walked faithfully before God, and it pleased him. He walked faithfully before God and it pleased him. And I believe what Enoch shows us about faith is this, is that faith allows us to walk outside our natural understanding. As a matter of fact, to walk in faith means this, is that we are not walking according to the things that we see with our natural eyes. And this is probably the thing that's the most difficult about faith when it comes to trusting God, when he pushes us out into the unknown, into the bigness, is to take that first step and say, God, I will trust you, even though I do not see what you've promised. 
And guys, listen, you can read Hebrews 11, and over and over again, this pattern rings true. Those who God called, he called them into things that they were walking literally into the unknown. They didn't see the things that God was promising initially, but yet they stepped out on faith and they trusted God. And there are times in our life when God calls us by faith, and this is what the shield of faith is. This is what I love about the full armor of God, is that every piece of the armor is both meant to defend us and advance our position. And in order to advance our position concerning faith, we will have to step out into the unknown. And the only way you will step out into the unknown is if you trust and see the eternal God. If you have a relationship with the eternal God and you hear his voice and you trust him, when you read the word, you understand that is for me and it becomes peace and stability and an anchor to your life. And then when God speaks to you and invites you to take a step, you trust that voice. i got to be honest with you. I don't think there is any other way to live out the Christian walk than this. This is joyful and this is exciting. And this is what Enoch teaches us. I understand that when we are going through difficult times, it is hard to take another step. But I promise you, when God leads you and he invites you to take a step, even when times are tough, that step becomes a step of life. It becomes a step of hope. It becomes a step of peace. It becomes a step towards your future. And you can trust Him. And you can trust Him. And you can trust Him. And the way that we get good at this in the hard times is by, again, walking with Him and trusting Him and taking steps of faith in the good times. The next person we see here is Noah is Noah. And Noah was just flat crazy. Noah was crazy because Noah did something and trusted God in a way like nobody else before him had. Some of us had Noah's faith a few weeks ago. Noah took and built a huge, huge, huge boat when the land had never seen rainfall The way that would demand a boat to be built on dry land required. And God first spoke this into Noah's heart. And he spoke it. And Noah listened to God. And he trusted God. And he rallied his sons around him. And they went about the, the, the task of building this to the specifications of what God had designed. Because this became an ark of salvation for Noah, for his family, and for creation. And here's what Noah's faith teaches us. Is that when we choose to be led by faith, it brings us into a place of God's salvation. When we walk by faith and we stand under the shield of faith, it leads us into a place of salvation. It wasn't easy for Noah to do this. This wasn't something that he received a lot of praise for. As a matter of fact, he got ridiculed for it. He got rebuked for it. He got made fun of. 
People came up to him and tried to dissuade him from doing it, tried to stop him from building this ark. But Noah stayed faithful. Now here is what I want to say and how I believe this translates to us today concerning the shield of faith is this, is that our lives become arcs of salvation for people around us that are hurting and that are broken. And if we trust God in the hardest times that we've seen to allow God to build us and to stay behind the shield of faith, to trust God, to hear His voice, to follow His voice, we become a a shield of salvation, an ark of salvation for the people around us. In the same way that Noah created an ark of salvation. The key for Noah is the same for us. That when things are raging around us and we have to become an ark of salvation, in our hardest times, we have to create some quiet time in our life. We have to practice stilling our heart. To let our heart be still. To let our heart be quiet. So that we can hear and that we can respond. Noah had to protect his heart to stay behind the shield of faith in his life and what God had spoken in the one he trusted to protect against the lies of what people were saying the lies of the enemy you know how many people came up to Noah and said this isn't God that's telling you to do this you're crazy you're a drunk you're a fool you're you're an idiot that's all he heard during the building of the ark But yet he stayed tucked behind the shield of faith because he knew what God was calling him to do was building an ark of salvation for humanity. And there are times that when God has called us into this and some of you are looking at your family and you're seeing some of the devastation and your family, I'm not talking about the storm, but I'm talking about just areas of your life. You're sitting in families, and you may be the only person who is following the Lord in your family. And you're saying, God, this is so hard for me to do because anytime I try to do and try to follow you, people are beaten up against me. Family members are beaten up against me. And what I want to tell you this morning is this, is tuck yourself behind the shield of faith. Some of you guys are holding out for things to happen within your your, your family and within the circle of your life. And you're saying, God, when is this going to happen? Tuck yourself behind the shield of faith. Because when you do that, the things that the enemy has set against you to try to stop you will fall down. They will fall down. And then finally, Justin, you come on up. I want to take a look at Sarah. What's interesting in Hebrews 11 is that both Abraham and Sarah, who were married, are commended for their faith. But this, in Hebrews 11, is what the Scripture says was so amazing about Sarah's faith. Because Sarah believed through the impossible... That he, being God, who promised would do what he, God, said he would do. And God did it. The scripture tells us about Sarah that she considered, she considered God faithful. She considered him who promised faithful. 
Because He was the one who made the promise. What does it mean to consider? Because this is what Sarah's faith teaches us. Faith continually renews the promise of God in us. Faith continually renews the promise of God in us. And some of you this morning have been sitting on a promise from God that is years and years and years old. There's something that God's spoken to you. You know it. It's been confirmed. It's been confirmed through the Word, other people. It's something that you know, and you're just waiting to see it. And I just want to remind you this morning about how faith protects us. And here's what Sarah did. In her old age, almost 100 years old, when God spoke to her husband Abraham and spoke to her and said, And if you go back in Genesis and you look at the story, when God speaks to Abraham and says, you're going to have a child. The scripture tells us this, that Sarah overheard it and laughed. And God said, what is she laughing at? You don't ever want God to ask you that question. But her heart shifted and she began to ponder on this. As she worked through the difficulties of of navigating this promise, and there were difficulties, and and again, another message for another day, but this is what I love about the Bible, is because even these great heroes of faith, man, they messed up along the way, but God was still faithful. But somewhere down the line, she started to consider the one who promised. She started to consider the one who promised. And she said, you know what? He's been faithful to my husband. He's been faithful to my ancestors. He's been faithful through the ages. And then that consideration turned to her own life. And she said, if he could do that for them, then he will certainly do it for me. And the promise that was spoken to her and her husband never departed from her heart even as she aged and she got past the place of childbearing age. God still performed what he said he would do because he is faithful. But Sarah never left the promise. And what happened in Sarah's life needs to happen for many of us today is the promise of God has to be renewed inside of us. And this is what God wants to do, even in the hardest times, even in the most difficult times, to keep us behind the shield of faith is to renew the promise that he has put in us and he has called us to. And it's as if he is saying, I know what's hitting you right now. I know what the enemy's trying to do. I know what's coming and raging around you. I know the seas are rising. The waves are raging. The wind is blowing. But I am faithful. And the one who is faithful faithful, will fulfill his promises. And that promise must be renewed in you. So Sarah considered it. This is what that word means. To deem and establish as truth in your heart. To be unmoved from the truth. And to meditate upon it continually. Sarah stopped self-doubt. She stopped self-doubt. She stopped unbelief in her life. She stopped wrestling with the promise 
of having a child. She considered it to be true before she even had Isaac. She believed it to be true. She pondered on it. Her attention moved from why isn't this happening, the barrenness of her womb, to the day when she was going to be holding a child. All right. And we have to consider the one who is promised is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. And faith continually renews the promise of God in us. I want to just leave you with just a couple of simple practical truths concerning faith. For our faith to work, we have to root ourselves in the truth of God. We have to root ourselves in the truth of God. This is what it means. I say this a lot, but it's important to hear, especially when things are raging around you. It's to find yourself in the Word, to get into the Word, remind yourself of His promises. Remind yourself of His promises. And be specific. If there's an area of struggle in your life, if you're struggling with fear, unbelief, anxiety, if you're struggling in a specific area of lack, your job, your health, whatever it is, your marriage, then you need to surround yourself in Scripture around those areas and you need to build yourself up concerning the promises of God in those areas. Be specific. Build yourself up in those areas. Build yourself up in those areas. Strengthen yourself up in those areas. Exercise the faith that you have now. Because just like a muscle, faith requires a little bit of stretching, a little bit of exercise for it to grow. What's a small way you can step out in faith this week? Can you hear God in the midst of where you are right now to take the time to listen for somebody else? Because God may say, go to your neighbor. Go tell them this. Go give them this. Go do this. Young people, you're going back to school. Can you hear God for other students there? There's students that are going to be broken. There's students that are going to be in a place where they're, they're desperate. Their hearts are empty. And God set you up as salt and light to be a beacon of truth, to be a beacon of love, to be a beacon of salvation, an ark of salvation. And I promise you this, if you set this year, if you set this year, young people, in a position where you say, God, I'm going to listen to you first. And you set aside just a few minutes before you go to school, on your way to school, and you say, God, would you speak to me? Would you show me somebody who needs to know your love? I promise you, I promise you this. That God's going to use you in a way to touch your school in a powerful way. And your school, instead of being in a place of tragedy, instead of being in a place of brokenness, by the end of this school, you will be in a place of revival. I promise you. I promise you. If we would just take a little bit of time every day to say, God, where is it that you want to direct my faith? Because I'm looking Expect that when God speaks to you, it's going to stretch you. It's going to be a little bit bigger than you. But understand, when God stretches you even into the unknown, He resources you so powerfully with His grace and strengthens you with His grace to go and to do what He's called you to do. 
And then finally, finally, probably the most beautiful picture that Ephesians 6, 16 shows us about faith. When it gives us the illustration of a shield and the concept of a soldier, is that uh, the shield would have gone from the bottom, the foot, to the head. It would have four corners. But they were constructed in a way to do something called the tortoise formation. Which means this, that a whole group of soldiers would come together and when the archers had set up and they had launched out and they had set up a a whole line of archers that were firing into the soldiers, they would get down, one group would kneel down and the other group would get behind them and they would form what would look like a tortoise shell over top of them so that no archer could penetrate their platoon coming in. That they would protect themselves, not just as individuals, but as a group. Because they understood a powerful truth. That even though they were all individually strong and capable soldiers, together they were a powerful force. And probably the best picture of faith and how faith works the best as it, is, as it concerns our protection and our advancement is when we begin to join our faith arm in arm, side by side, together. And so in these times, what I want to encourage you with is to stay connected to the fellowship. I'm not saying church. I'm talking about each other. Stay connected to each other. Encourage each other. Lift each other up. Pray for one another. Text one another. Call one another. Meet one another's needs where they are. When we do this, what happens is that the shield of faith is built up around us. That the attack of the enemy falls short. And that the advancement, the advancement of the purpose of God within us is fulfilled. Amen. Amen. Let me pray. Father, I thank you this morning for the truth of your word. God, I thank you for what you're speaking and what you're doing in our community here, God, and through our body. Lord, I pray for every person here, God, that we would stand behind the shield of faith that you've given us, the truth of your faithfulness, that we would trust you, God. Lord, it's not our ability, it's not our strength. We just simply say, God, I trust you. This morning, if you're here and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this morning, I want to give you the opportunity to do it, and it's simple. Just pray this prayer with me right now. Jesus, I trust you. I put my faith in you that what you did at the cross covered my sins. That the sacrifice you made at the cross washed my sins away. I believe in you, Jesus. I receive you as Lord and Savior of my life. This morning, if you prayed that prayer, the Bible says that you're a new creation. That you're a child of God. Father, for everybody here, Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would begin to remind us of the promises that you've called us to. I know that there are folks here, God, that have been sitting on a promise, Lord, and they're saying, God, when is it going to, when am I going to see it? And so, Father, for those folks, I, Lord, that we would just choose to anchor ourselves deeper in you, knowing that you are faithful, that you hold eternity between your hands.
And that your timing is perfect. It's complete. That there's nothing lacking. And God, in that time, Lord, I declare your grace and your peace over every heart. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you're opening up our eyes, God, that we're making a decision to trust you by faith, to to be led by you, to be led by your spirit. Lord, and lead us to the places that you'd have us to go. Lord, whether it's our neighbor, Lord, our classmates, Father God, the, 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 the people in our work, Father, wherever it is, God, maybe it's somebody we don't yet know, but God, as we hear you speak, Lord, let us be faithful to trust you, knowing that, Father, the places that you call us to, even though they're big, even though they're unknown, God, they come filled with your power, they come filled with your love and your resource. Father, I thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.